Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we will be talking with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Ren Valentino. Hi, Ren. Hello. How are you? I'm great today. How are you? I am great today also. I'm glad it's Friday. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> So how are things and, and what are you working on these days and, and what's going on in, in Ren's world with uh, rele- new releases or soon to be releases? Lots of great stuff. Um, I just finished writing a uh, holiday themed romance called Pine Cove Lodge. Uh, that that's what that comes out on November twelfth, which I'm very excited about. I've never written a holiday themed romance, and it was kind of strange to write something that took place in the winter in the middle of May and June. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I went with it for sure. Um, and then I'm I'm working on a new uh, gay romance, a contemporary gay romance book called Pitch Out, which is a baseball themed romance. So I'm very excited about about that, and and to kind of see see what the response is to that and. Did a lot of lot of research on baseball because I realized I didn't know very much about baseball when I started to write the book. So, what, what made you decide to write a book about baseball? You know, I uh, I read an interview about um, gay and lesbian athletes and and how that they. I don't remember the athlete's name, but they were talking about basically that when they were younger, that they had wished that there was more. Um, books with like athletic themes for, for gay and lesbian young, young people. And, mm-hmm. and so that kind of just struck a chord with me. And I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know of a lot of books that are sort of sports themed that feature, you know, gay and lesbian characters in it. So I got really inspired and just thought, you know, it's an interesting world to kind of set a romance up against, but uh, it, I hope it worked. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out very soon. Oh, but, that's awesome. So it's yeah. a young adult book or... No, it's it's what they're calling new adult, which is like a whole new category to me and for me. But it's like early twenties, like that kind of an age group. Yep. Um. So it's a little bit older than young adult. So I'm hoping that my young adult readers that have read some of my young adult stuff will kind of like maybe they're old enough now to read this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll yeah. We'll see who reads. I'm just happy whenever anybody reads something that I wrote. To be quite honest. Oh so. yeah, I think um I'm gonna look for that. That and then when is that due out? Um, that's not going to be out until early spring of 2020. So okay. it's done. It's finished. It's just I'm in that lineup of when the book's coming out, kind of, and the release date, so to speak. Great. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I love baseball. Good. Well, yeah. good. I, I definitely want to know what you think about the book after you've read it. Yeah. And, you know, um, that just made me think of, like, I, it conjured up a memory for me when I was probably, like, uh, 12-ish. Um, a friend of one of my older brothers bought me a book about a young female basketball player. Mm. And, and now that I think about it in my mind, like, I don't, I don't even know if she was a lesbian or not, but in my mind she was, you know, Mm. and, and I loved that book. It had such importance for, you know, to me at the time, um, so I think yeah, this it's is... it's so wonderful how books can sort of connect and resonate with us at di- different parts of our life, and that we still remember those books years later and what they meant to us. Yeah, it is. It really is. They're they're such a part of you know my life. Like mm-hmm. you know, I can tell you when I read what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so and Pinecone Lodge is due out in November. So um, yes. 
what prompted you to write a uh... holiday themed romance? Yeah. <laughs> uh, craziness. I don't, I'm not quite sure at this point. No, I'm, you know, I, I love the holidays. It's kind of strange because I've never said this before about the book, but um, I'm not a big winter or snow person. Like I would love to live on a tropical island without humidity. And Wait, I know that's you probably live not in one of the snowiest places in the United States, right? I know. <laughs> I, I live here. For, I live in Denver for the summers, which is so con- you know, on, on contrary to what everybody else lives here for, which is skiing and snowboarding and so <laughs> forth. So I'm all like, you know, I'm like a shut in during the winter. That's usually when I write most of my books. But summers here are be- amazing and beautiful. But are they? Um, yeah, so I, uh, Pine Cove Lodge just kind of came about as, as, uh, I was really fascinated with, 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 uh, characters kind of coming together. So both of the characters in the book, the main characters are both have just experienced, um, stages of grief and they're kind of like not in that relationship kind of mindset. And so they, they're kind of resistant to the relationship. So I thought, you know, it's a nice, nice kind of. Uh, obstacle and a little bit of opposites at play there too. And and then it just kind of naturally kind of evolved into like a winter setting, a really remote kind of rural place. I set it in one place. I could bring another supporting characters and the location, the, the lodge itself, I feel like I hope feels like a character itself to, to readers once it once it comes out. But yeah, I've never written anything. It's very different than anything I've written before. So people are either going to like it or they're going to be like, well, what were you thinking with that one? Uh, so, I'm sure we'll, we'll love see. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we will love it. So um, you were you writing these two books simultaneously? Um, yeah. So normally I only write one project at a time, but because of contracts and deadlines and so forth, which I'm sure you are very familiar with too, it, it just kind of uh, happened that there was a little bit of overlap there, but it was the, the two books are as opposite as two books can be. So uh, it was kind of nice because it was like switching hats when I was doing the different writing and different, different mode, I guess, different approach. And uh, one is more th- for, uh, one's first person and one's third person. So that, that kind of helped a little bit in terms of distinguishing between the two when I was writing them. Oh yeah, but, yeah, I can imagine that must be confusing. Yeah. Um, and so the- now I'm now I'm just working on a couple of new projects. I have a, a couple of new uh, rom- the contemporary romance kind of themed books coming up. Uh, and those are going to be done. I, I'm hoping, I'm aiming to have those done by the end of the year. So we shall see if I make that deadline. But So yeah. is that more than one then? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I've outlined one and then I'm actually writing one right now. So the outline one's kind of just there waiting. Um, so typically what I like to do writing process process wise is I like to, um, plan out the year for writing projects and I try to do between three and four projects a year. Uh, this year I got a little ambitious and did all, all four, all by the end of the year, I'll have done four. But um, so typically what I'll do is I'll outline a bunch of stuff in the beginning of the year that I want to work on. And of course, those outlines change once you get into the actual writing of the book. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so and it kind of keeps me on track. It's, I guess it's probably like my own form of accountability <laughs> of like, this is what you're doing next. And so I don't stray yeah. and start writing other stuff that I'm not supposed to be writing quite yet. So so uh, let me make sure I understand this. So let's say in January you sit down and you say, well, I want to work on these four things. And mm. you sit down and outline those four things right then? Not not in a single day, but I take up the first couple weeks of the year and just kind of, um, because the, the 
I do spend a little bit of incubation time is what I call it, where I'm sort of thinking <laughs> okay. and, and, the, and the ideas are kind of boiling and brewing and so forth. And then, uh, and then when I sit down to write the outline, um, what I do before the outline, which I think a lot of writers might do, is I, I use those old, old-fashioned, like old-school composition books that uh-huh. you can get for a couple bucks at the drugstore kind of thing. I love those books. And me too, right? I mean, it's like my writer's best friend. Yeah. So I'll carry that around with me for quite some time before I get to that outline stage, just like jotting down random notes about character and place and and plot and so forth. And then so I use that those books, those notes, when I outline at the beginning of the year. So I do. I outline the projects I want to work on for the whole year, and then I just kind of line them up. It's really the only way that um, self-discipline is a little bit of a struggle for me at times. So I have to just kind of keep myself on that schedule to, in order to finish the books I want to finish within within that year time frame. But yes, going into the new year, I usually know exactly what what projects I want to work on for the year, and I allow myself, you know, that they change and they kind of you know organically shift when they when they need to. And sometimes the characters say that's not what we're going to do once you start to write the book. So. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing, though. That is absolutely amazing. And and just your organizational skills must be phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's I'm sure I'm sure, honestly, that it's some form of insanity. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, not at all. No, that sounds great. Uh, and really, it's a great way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, that's that's really why how why I devised it that way was just to be like, okay, here's your here's your track for the year kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, how long have you been writing? I've been writing since I was seven, but I my work has been published since I was fifteen. I, I published my first short story when I was fifteen and have never looked back. So I've been writing for over thirty years now. So it's been quite quite a quite a wonderful, exciting. Very rewarding journey on many levels. Wow. So what did you publish at 15? Well, um, so growing up, I was raised by two women. So I I had two moms growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had a lot of access at a young age to gay and lesbian fiction. Like the first book I read probably as a a preteen was uh, Rita Mae Brown's Ruby Fruit Jungle. Oh, I love that. Right? I know. know, It's still one of my favorite books. I think she's just an amazing writer. She also has a really great... um, craft book like a writing craft book that i really like a lot too does she really um yeah it's really good it's really good i love it i actually share it with my students sometimes too but um so i had a lot of like i was reading um fiction at a young age at you know the early teenage years that were probably well beyond my years so to speak but um i was just really drawn to like strong voices and like um just just like like ordinary people experiencing extraordinary situations in their lives mm-hmm. and and uh, and just was kind of drawn to that. But I was really lucky because being raised by my two moms was that I had all this great access to literature uh, that really spoke to me and connected with who I was and certainly who my two moms were. And so it kind of really gave me this great literary foundation about, 
writing um, stuff that back then was not necessarily mainstream. Mm -hmm. So when I was 15, I I wrote a short story. Um, I'm a child of the 80s, and back in the 80s, a big popular social public topic was the threat of nuclear war. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So at 15, I wrote an anti-nuclear war story, and it got published in Anthology in Berkeley, and then it just kind of gave me the the inspiration to just kind of... I had a moment where I was like, you know what, I can maybe do this. This is something that I can do that's not just something I love to do and just kind of do on my own but I you know and so from there I just I just kind of went I stayed with it and had a lot of encouragement those two moms uh got me a a secondhand typewriter when I was 13 Uh and uh I didn't know how to type much to their horror I taught myself how to type (laughs) and so so from there sort of like I think they both knew that that was like the resource the tool that I needed to to do what I wanted to do, which was really wonderful and supportive and something I'm still very grateful for. But so that was sort of, that gave me like the, the first step that I needed to, to try it. And then I did, and I've had amazing, wonderful mentors along the way too, that have really kind of helped um, guide me in a really good direction career wise. And, you know, and just kind of lots of support. I think it's really important for writers because what we do is so solitary I guess and yeah it's so great to surround ourselves with people who are very supportive of what we do even if they don't always understand what we do (laughs) but it's just great to have that supports and I've always had great supports I'm very thankful for that for sure yeah it sounds like you had a magical childhood I'm you know I didn't know it then quite honestly like I think when you're in it like you don't realize what you have but looking back of course I'm like wow how incredibly lucky was I to be you know I was always encouraged to be myself and nothing else but myself and very like accepting uh, obviously in a very loving family I mean lots of like you know family nights and board games and that sort of stuff but you know and it, and, and it never really dawned on me that that um, our family was was quote-unquote different than other families because we had such a great strong family unit and I still draw on that family unit um, you know every day in my life just really thankful that I had uh, and and you know both both moms are still incredibly influential in in my life and um, uh, and and one of them is an artist and, and a really renowned artist and has really you know done some really beautiful work with within the art world and so forth so just very grateful. Yeah, they, they never, they always just encourage me. They're like, we don't always understand the writing thing, but we know how important it is to you and <laughs> go for it. You know, I think they understand a lot better. They read everything I write. They're very, very supportive and just great people. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. I really Yeah, is. I'm so lucky, I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're pretty engulfed in the art world yourself, right? For sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So what other art endeavors are you engaged in? Um, well, I've been an arts educator uh, for 14 wonderful years at the two-year community college level. And so I work with young people and, and college students, you know, all the time. And I'm very, I, I teach, I, I'm a teacher, I teach English and playwriting and screenwriting and all sorts of different forms of writing. Um, and I'm also very involved in uh, theater. I've been involved in the world of theater for as a playwright and as a director for um, most of my life since I was very young. Um, and so I, I direct at least one show a year, and uh, which really kind of helps me. Um, it's, an, it's definitely another form of creative expression. And 
I mean, how how exciting to spend your evenings with amazing, wonderful, talented people who just want to tell a great story on stage, yeah, uh, and so forth. So yeah, and um, yeah. So in in addition to writing the books, and uh, I also write stage plays and and uh, screenplays and so forth. So it's it's always just you know the story itself, and just kind of. Def- you you feel the story you you know you want to tell it but you just have to kind of decide what form mm-hmm. the story best suits you know is this a script or is this a book is this a short story sort of thing and that's always really fun too is like that discovery of the form for the the, the story should be told in and you know my students are so wonderful because they they keep me so informed and so aware of what's going on in the younger <laughs> younger world yes than me. Uh, and so you know it's really great to kind of just hear from them directly, like what they care about the most and what, what they're, you know, what they're, what they're scared of, what they're excited about and what they're, what they're all about. That's and awesome. of course that definitely like makes its way into my work in all kinds of different capacities. Yeah. How could it not? Like they're, right? they're so full of energy that, you know, it just <laughs> seeps into you, you know? So, um, so when you come up with an idea then, at the time of the idea, you're not really certain about what form it will take. And that just kind of, you know, rolls out as, as you develop that idea. Yeah. So I just kind of, I don't, I don't like limit myself to form. So like, I just, I just, this is a perfect example. I just wrote um, what I thought was going to be a short story and uh, halfway through the short story, I was like, why is this resisting so much? Like, why is this just not flowing? Like, the story was there, but it just wasn't, it just felt clunky and just not working. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, this is a one-act play. <laughs> like, so <laughs> so as soon as I shifted the form, like, it, it worked. Like, And so, but I think, um, you know, sometimes I fight back. And I'm like, you know, this is a short story. And then I just eventually give in to the literary gods and say, nope, you're right. It's a one-act play. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, but it's, it's. Uh, I feel really fortunate to, to be able to have the opportunity to be able to write in those different forms and different genres. I mean, it's such a great thing. It's that I... Er, very early on in my career, I was really careful not to put labels on myself in either one of those areas because mm-hmm. I just wanted that freedom to be able just to be a storyteller and that the genre and the form were kind of secondary. And so I just wanted to put all that focus on the actual storytelling itself. So do you write under different um, pseudonyms when you are writing different genres? Yes, I do. So I have I, I, I write under... Um, I write young adult fiction and I write um, stage plays and screen some screenplays under David Matthew Barnes. And then I write contemporary romance, including uh, gay romance under Ren Valentino. And then I also write horror. I write horror films and uh, horror short films and so forth under Matthew McCullough, which so it's, it's um it's kind of an interesting three different names. Ren Valentino's my primary writing name, and and Ren's the preferred first name. But um, it does make for a very interesting day, depending on what genre and what book it is. Oh, so I yes. mean, like I'd say like sixty percent, seventy percent of what I write now is all under Ren Valentino, but I still do occasional projects under those those other names too. And it really was a marketing thing. It was just kind of like trying not to mix audiences, especially because I was writing for stuff for such young young folks that mm-hmm. we didn't want um, that young audience to kind of, you know, uh, 
discover some stuff that maybe wasn't written specifically for their age group. That, that and makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also different that like the, just the marketing of them are completely different and the readerships are so different in all of those too. And there's very little crossover between, between those, you know, so, but I, you know, I got to tell you at the end of the day, I love telling a good spooky story, but I really, I just love telling a great love story. I think that we can never have enough romance and love in the world, you know, and, and, uh, and just trying to keep romance alive. Um, but it is interesting, too, just being a male romance writer as opposed to, because it's such a, for the most part, it's a female-dominated genre and in terms of writers. And But people have been very, very gracious and welcoming to me into the genre and uh, have just made extraordinary friends of fellow writers and so forth. But it is kind of, you know, a lot of times when you're a romance writer, uh, especially for contemporary romance, it's, you know, not un- not uncommon to be the only uh, male, the only guy in the room, yeah. you know, and so, uh, you know, but it's great because at the end of the day, it's, I, I don't think it's really about gender. I really think it's just about that. We all love to tell stories and usually it's critics and reviewers that mention the gender to be quite honest. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of times people will be like, you know, it wasn't bad for a male writer. Oh my <laughs> you know, goodness. Kind of thing, so. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. so sexist. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, it is. It, it, it can be, you know. But yeah. it's. I'm just. I'm just happy to be able to 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 be able to tell stories. So, um, do you like these three different genres? Do you publish yeah. with different publishers? Then I do. I work with different publishers. I work with nine different publishers total. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. So I'm. That's which is kind of why that going back to earlier where we were talking about with those four books a year or four projects a year. Yeah. So that, that those schedules that generate, that get generated from working with those publishers kind of dictate that number and that amount. So just I can, you know, get fit, complete the projects that I need to get done contractually, but then also do some stuff for myself too when, when I can, but yeah, it's, re- it's really exciting. And I mean, those nine publishers also include the, the playwriting publishers that I work with that publish my stage plays and so forth. So it's, uh, it makes for, I mean, it has made for a, a really interesting, uh, like no, no two days are the same kind of career for sure. And, oh, um, bet. yeah, it's just, I feel very lucky to, to be working with the great folks I get to work with. That's awesome. So, so I met you several years ago through Bold Strokes. Um, yeah, do you exactly. Still, do you still publish with them? I don't, but I did, I wrote, um, I believe it was 10 books total for them. I wrote, um, primarily young adult fiction was a great time. Uh, I mean, they're a wonderful, wonderful publishing company and they publish extraordinary authors and they were very good to me uh, and gave me a a big start. I actually published my first full length novel with them. Um, And uh, I kind of came into Bold Strokes books right at the very beginning of their young adult uh, um, group or their young adults sub-label, I guess is what I would call it. Yeah. And uh, so I was one of their first young adult authors and still very, very grateful to this day for that opportunity. It really uh, gave me uh, a really wonderful devoted readership through those books and connected me with school librarians and teachers and young people. And uh, it's, you know, it's writing for young people is just such a unique thing. And in the day and age of social media, uh, young adult authors were so accessible. So it's not uncommon to hear from a lot of young people that you get messages from and so forth. And, you know, every time you get one of those messages, you're like, yay, job done, that some young person's connected or found something that we've that we've written as adult authors, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, it's really extraordinary. I'm, I'm, to this day, 
for many reasons, very, very grateful to librarians everywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> They've been very good to me and, and have been, even as a young person, I think that, um, you know, I spent most weekends in the library, probably like most writers or aspiring writers did when they were young. I love of literature. And the librarians then at the, you know, the public libraries were so good to me and, and encouraged the reading and so forth. So oh, that's so nice. It, it seems like um, I was just reading uh, something that said fewer young people are reading today than they did, you know, even 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And yes, I uh, I see that for sure. And but you know, I, I'm always very thankful and grateful to those reluctant reader books that like get people, young people, to read because they're so popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- so those reluctant readers that are reading the book that they normally wouldn't read. And I'm right. just so grateful to those authors that are able to create those really popular. Um, young adult books that are really like, you know, breaking all the current trends and so forth that get those reluctant readers to open a book and read it. It's just yeah. wonderful. Every time that happens, I'm like, yay, another reader. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it's like, they're, they're hooked, you know, so yeah. they're, they're yeah. hungry for more. Hopefully. So. Yeah. Do you know, Stephanie Dole? Have you? Oh have, yeah. 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 She writes really great stuff for young people. And, and is just an extraordinary writer and a wonderful person. But I know her books have been sort of doing that, too, of, of really attracting readers that, uh, you know, it's some, often it's, you know, one of her novels is one of the first things they've read. So yeah, um, yeah. she's got a great series, a great book series out there. Yeah, I've not <clears throat> read any of hers, but I did interview her um, on this podcast. Um, mm. Yeah, she was fun. Yeah. She was fun also. Yeah, she's awesome person, yeah, great yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, Ren, what influences your writing? You know, I had somebody who asked me one time. It was one of the best questions, and it was in a, it was in grad school, and um, and I was the, uh, I don't want to say I was the black sheep of my graduate writing program. <laughs> I did the MFA, but the first day we were all asked, you know, who's who influences your work the most? And everyone was very literary in their response with William Faulkner and, you know, uh, Ernest Hemingway and and so forth. And when it came to my turn, I said, Judy Bloom, because Judy Judy Bloom really greatly inspired my young life. But in that same program, somebody said, are you writing for you? Are you writing for your younger self? And I thought, you know, I'm really writing for my younger self. I'm writing for the, I'm writing those books that I didn't have I certainly had great books because of my two moms, but but f- like those books that that I could have had that I just didn't have. Yeah. So I it was really it was really such a great like uh, it was a period of enlightenment for me when I realized like where the drive to write for young people kind of came from and that connection to the younger self. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's so true. And I I wonder it's probably very common you know, um, thought or like, like, um, exploration for, for writers who write for, for young people and even for children of how much of that writing is coming from a place for the younger self. So, yeah. And yeah. I think especially for LGBT folks, you know? Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, we're, I think, um, we're still hungry for those stories, right? Mm-hmm. Even as adults, I think we're still wanting those stories that are mm-hmm. that speak to our younger self uh, and and that stuff that we could have used then. <laughs> for yeah, sure. you know, I know, like somebody my age, you know, um, we didn't have those coming out stories that were readily available, you know, um, and and even personally, you know, people didn't talk about you know anything like that. So. Um, 
it, it was very different. So I think, you know, um, I am just so thrilled to see, you know, books and, and see this generation of kids just, you know, able to be who they are and not worry, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I know. It's definitely a, it's a major cultural shift, culture shift. And it's so exciting to see it happen and just be part of that history, that transition in history of just a greater sense of acceptance and self and, and uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really extraordinary. One of the reasons why I both love teaching and working with young people and also writing for them is just that that of the constant shift in generations and just that greater, greater sense of, of openness yeah. uh, to, 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 uh, to everyone. It's wonderful. So, so uh, culturally there's been a shift, right? Um, do you mm-hmm. think that your writing has changed um, as well over the mm-hmm. years? Gosh, no one's ever asked me that before. That's a great question. Yes, I would definitely say yes. I think. Okay. I mean, I think any writer's going to say the more you do it, hopefully, the better you get at it. I do feel like I'm. Um, I feel like my craft, the like those elements of like uh, the mechanics and so forth. Yes, yeah. I think those are much more polished, of course, than they than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really adamant about studying writing. Like I, I knew early on that I was a great reader and I was an okay writer. And I knew that I, I recognized in my writing, like how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's probably why I was drawn to teaching for sure. But I, I really, uh, I think, I mean, I can look at my, my body of work over the last three decades and say, Oh, here's what I wrote before I studied writing. And here's what I wrote after. Okay. And, and I think the writing just comes from a, the older we get and the more life experience we bring to the page and, yeah. and the more just, um, you know, I think our lives are so different and as we get older, like the content and the way we live our lives is so different. And I think that has definitely impacted my writing in, the, in a really great way. And I feel much more confident as a writer than I did even 10 years ago. And just kind of, um, I don't know, I feel like I know my strengths and my weaknesses a little bit better. I've also worked with some great editors and I, I love that because I'm not an editor, I'm a writer. Yeah. And, and, and just being open to the learning process at that revision editing stage, I think is, is just so crucial, you know. Was that and hard I think at I, first? I think I write for different reasons now, too. I think I'm definitely more on that, that uh, writing to tell a great story kind of uh, level now than I think before I was writing more just to get something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, still telling a good story, but I feel like the stories are better now, if that makes any sense. Sure, <laughs> sure it does. It's like when you're starting out, you, you want to be recognized for your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as you grow um, in your craft, um, you want to be recognized more for your craft than you, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's it exactly. That's so it exactly. was that was that difficult at first to have an editor kind of chop down your work and make some changes? Um, no, I think maybe I'm a maybe I'm just I know a lot of writers kind of resist the revision and editing process. And yeah. I think criticism is just tough for anyone. But I welcome it. I I'm the first to be like, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I, I there's so much. I'm always wanting to become a better writer. Like that's always the objective and the goal. And, and no matter what I write, like I never sit down and like, oh, I'm you know the world's greatest writer because I know that not to to not be true. But I really what I do is I look to the editing process to to inform myself. Mm-hmm. So that way, what I what I take from whatever current book or project I'm working on with an editor that I can then apply 
at least one or two of those things that I've learned to the to the next process and just hope that each time I do that, that I'm getting a little bit better. But I think it's really important for writers to know what we don't do well. I think it's, you know, to, to, to like, hey, I got dialogue down, but the spatial relations kind of thing, that's a struggle, you know, so just kind of being able to articulate both the things that you feel good about in your writing, but also the stuff that you struggle with, because I think everybody struggles, you know, sure. with, with some aspect of writing. Um, and true. And then just to kind of work you know continue to work towards getting better you know and and just at the end of the day we're all storytellers and we're all trying to get those stories out to the world and 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 let them hopefully connect with one person but um yeah i i really love the creative process i love the editing process you know and it, it's it's it still feels very vulnerable and scary to put something out into the world and not know how it's going to be responded to. Yeah. I don't think that will ever change or go away. Yeah. I think it's still kind of that, you know, that level of anxiety, like, well, it's part of you. Which, yeah. And it doesn't belong to you anymore. Yeah. You know, it belongs to other people at that point. So that's, that's hard. So, mm-hmm. so where do you find time to write? Because you have mm. this day job that you go to mm-hmm. and work I with do. young folks. And um, when do you have time to, you know, outline and produce four four pieces of work so um i'm i'm up very early every morning writing i write five five days a week i write in the morning five days a week and then i write at least one weekend day for a good four or five hours really? doesn't mean i'm doesn't mean i'm writing good stuff i'm just literally like up and really early with coffee and my cats and just kind of like <laughs> you know getting something on the page yeah. i try to get at least a thousand words down on the page every day doesn't mean they're great words but at least they're there and i can go back and kind of shape and mold later um but in order to get those projects done that i'm you know that the to to, to maintain a level of um, output, mm-hmm. I need to I need to do at least a thousand words a day, uh, regardless of the form, just to kind of keep up keep up with that. And it feels good. It's like you know I do a little free writing, so because I'm not I'm not a morning person, but I've had to mm-hmm. force myself to be one because that's the only time of day to write. And I know if I don't do the writing in the morning, that it's not going to get done. Yeah. So it's sort of one of those like forced self discipline kind of approaches, but. Yeah, I do a little free writing for a couple minutes just to kind of get that writing muscle going and just be in the act of writing. And then that then I shift over to the to whatever project I'm currently working on. And then on the weekend I usually is when I spend time editing and shaping and and that sort of thing. So what's harder, I think I mean, it's definitely, I think anybody who has a day job and has all those other you know, like a family and so forth, I think it's hard to find that writing time. I think that's one mm-hmm. of the greatest, biggest struggles that all writers probably face is where do I find the time to write? Because what we do is so unconventional that yeah. it's hard to kind of carve that out. But I think what's harder for me is finding the time for all the business side of writing. Oh. Like the, like, you know what I mean? Like the book signing and that kind of stuff and yeah. like connecting with readers. Cause that's a little bit hard to schedule when you've got all those other things. I mean, I love doing all of those things, but mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit harder cause it's, um, you have to schedule your life a little bit about around writing. So not too long ago, I had to take vacation time from the day job to go do stuff for books. I mean, so it was sort of like, you know, sometimes like, you do what you got to do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I know another writer who all of her vacation time is spent, you know, yeah. going to conferences and book signings and yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just... I, uh, yeah. Probably the same. I probably same approach. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, you're writing every morning on the weekends, you're working. Um, what what do you do when you're not writing or 
Is there a not writing time? Yeah, you know, I'm a big movie watcher. I have a really big movie collection. I love like old like classic films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love like really bad, campy, less than B sci-fi movies. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, that's sort of like my my decompression. I, of course, I'm a big reader. I read everything I can get my hands on, and I read in different genres because I write in different genres. So I'm always reading. I, a book is you know always in hand. Um, but the movies, I'm also. Um, uh, Love, I'm a big Disney fan, so anytime I can fit in a trip to either the land or the world, (laughs) I'm going to one of those places probably at least once a year. I do try to travel when I can, when I get a little bit of downtime, and I usually don't write during the traveling because I really want to be aware and like be present in the traveling because I get so many ideas when I when I travel. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. But other, other than, I mean, I have like, you know, little hobbies here and there that I do that are not writing related, but those are probably the, the movies are such a great way to, I mean, cause again, I'm looking at a different version of a story when you think about it, cause it's a visual story, but um, mm-hmm. I just yeah. love some of those, those old, you know, great films, those great classics that resonate and sort of stand the test of time. Me too. I love Cary Grant. Yes, yes, Cary Grant's amazing. Yeah. So, um, and how then do you stay focused with all of these things going on in your life? How do you stay focused? Like, you know, um, you have, you know, Edward and you have your moms and, you know, friends and, and, you know, your students. And Mm -hmm. how do you stay focused and, and really get the job done? I really, I really, I, this this is kind of what we were talking about earlier about <laughs> learning more as you get older. Mm-hmm. And so as I got, I was I was just going and going and going full speed, probably about five years up until about five years ago. And then, you know, you get a little bit older and priorities shift, and you've got family life. And I'm married, and you know, have we have our own family and so so forth. So there's that's a big part of my life as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just kind of figuring out that balance, which is so hard to do. I mean, it sounds so idealistic, like oh, balance. But I think finding it and finding what works, and and recognizing the importance of that work life you know, uh, downtime, that me time kind of thing. So I definitely take periods where I just completely decompress and refuel doing a lot of all the things I'm sure you can relate. Cause I know you, you work in higher ed too, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, we have to sort of unplug and disconnect and just kind of allow ourselves to kind of just be. Mm-hmm. And I think I, that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. Cause it was always about the work, but I think that, uh, now I'm in a different place. I've, I've definitely have gone through some a lot more clarity about priorities and balance and so forth. But staying focused, I think, you know, focus and drive, I think sometimes for me are a little bit synonymous and just that drive to tell as many stories as I can. I feel like I, I don't know where the writing comes from. I mean, I've tried to figure it out. Like, where does all of this, you know, these overactive imagination come from? But mm-hmm. um, and just challenge. to honor it, you know, just, yeah, just honor it and, and tell as many stories as I can with the time I've been given. So, well, I'm so yeah. glad you do. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. So, um, Ren, do you like to hear from your readers? Oh, absolutely. It's and you know what is I, I don't know if you've gone through this, but it's always very interesting as to who reads my work. <laughs> like I'm like, really, you're you're the like, you know, it's it's always uh-huh. such a lovely, nice surprise to yeah. be like, Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I, oh it's it's wonderful and it's uh I, I welcome it all the Aww. time. It's so great. I, you know, it's great to get the feedback of what's working and what's not working. Right. You know, equally 
for sure. And writing for young people, they have a lot of times there's not a lot of filter and they'll yeah, tell yeah. you exactly what they didn't like in your yes, book. You yes. know, so yep. you're you're so right. <laughs> so so how would a reader get a hold of you? Um is there um an email address or social media um Means. Yep, I'm I'm all over social media. I have uh, renvalentino.com as my as my website. Okay. Uh, Ren Valentino on Instagram, Ren Valentino on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, there's no witness protection program for me anytime soon because <laughs> I'm all over social media. Okay, but yeah, no, and I welcome it. You know, it's it's you know when when a reader takes the time to send send you a note about something you've written it's it's a gift you know when you think about it so it absolutely uh, is you know that you touch them in some way you know and whether it's good or bad you hit a nerve yeah 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 that's awesome that's great well thank you so much um i really appreciate you um chatting with me today Thank you for the opportunity. It's so great. I know we haven't seen each other in a while. We're long overdue for a reunion in person. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for this opportunity and the chance to to talk with you and and about my work. I really appreciate it. No, I do. So, um, yeah, we'll have to get together soon. Yes. Uh, and, And say hi to Edward. Oh, I will. He meant, yeah, he says hi to you too. Oh, great, great. He's so sweet. Yes, he is. He's a keeper. Yeah, yep. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Anita Kelly, and that's all for today. Thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty.